Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Sam Dillon. In this episode, number 317, Tracy Hurley is talking to several prominent psychologists and counselors that play RPGs, and they're going to discuss sensitive topics at the table. And with that, I will hand it over to Tracy. Awesome. So uh, we're here now with some folks that uh, have a lot of experience in the area of talking about sensitive issues and uh, good ways to approach sensitive topics and maybe not so good ways. Um, and so I'd love to have them all introduce themselves. Uh, can we start with Michael? Sure. My name is Michael Mallon, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at the IDDM, T-H-E-I-D-D-M. I'm a psychologist that has been writing about uh, gaming and mental health since 2011 uh, through my blog. I've also been doing a podcast the last few years and uh, most recently uh, was invited on the Dragon Talk podcast to talk about um, mental health and gaming. So I'm excited to continue this conversation. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Thanks for being here. And Megan, do you want to go next? Sure. I'm Dr. Megan Connell. I'm a psychologist out of Southeast Psych in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a therapeutic dungeon master running games specifically for girls where we focus on teaching girls empowerment through gameplay. I'm also the dungeon master for the live action uh, D&D play game of Clinical Role where it's all therapeutic dungeon masters playing D&D. I also am the writer and host of Psychology at the Table, co-founder of Geeks Like Us, and just a general busy person writing things and doing lots of stuff. That does sound really busy and awesome. Uh, Elizabeth? Hi, um, my name is Elizabeth Kilmer. I'm a psychology doctoral student at the University of North Texas, and I run groups with um, girls who've experienced trauma as well as uh, veterans at the VA, and then we just, Jared and I just started running a group in private practice for teens that focuses primarily on social skills as well. Awesome, and Jared? Uh, I'm Jared Kilmer. I'm a psychologist at the Dallas VA, and uh, I'm also a therapeutic dungeon master, just like Elizabeth. Uh, we do largely the same work. Awesome. And so it seems like a lot of you have um, experience specifically running games going into sensitive issues. Um, we can talk about so one of the first questions Jeff had here was like, do we want to talk quickly about what type of topics we see that are that can come up as being sensitive in like a typical D&D game? And then maybe we even talk about some of the topics you guys explore. I know you've already said some of them. I think one of the things that that's been on my mind since, since uh, Jeff and others have, have been uh, approaching this topic is sort of the shorthand many of us use for origin stories and character development and even just plot hooks and things like that. I think a lot of negative events uh, tend to set things in motion for adventures. So assaults, <laughs> other negative things that happen kind of sometimes are the springboard for, for story points. And that's one of the things I was interested to check in with the other folks on the panel about is how they handle that in, in games, both during character creation, creating NPCs, uh, getting adventures up and running. Um, it's not just in D&D, I think just in fiction, comic books, movies, um, you know, our hero or heroine kind of start off by something terrible happening. And that terrible thing happening could be the death of loved ones, 
some type of uh, assault, uh, either emotional abuse, sexual abuse, any number of things that can sort of be used as a shorthand for like, well, this character was in one place and now they need to go somewhere else. Um, so I'm just wondering how other people handle that or how they think about that. Um, I can jump in. Sure. Uh, so of the two of the populations I run groups in, one of them is um, primarily teenage girls and adolescents who have experienced some sort of a severe trauma, as well as um, groups of veterans, primarily those that have a substance use uh, disorder. A lot of them also have a trauma history. And because the groups that I'm running are therapeutic groups, um, and they're these kind of distinct populations, we have conversations before the group even starts about uh, what is the focus of the group? What is the purpose? And talking about how these difficult topics may come up in group um, and then how they're kind of prepared to handle those. And that's something that we can work in with group. So especially when I run the groups with the girls, something that we'll talk about is everybody at this table has experienced some kind of trauma because otherwise you're not in this place. Um, but we're not going to talk explicitly about everyone's trauma at the table, but there are going to be themes that are going to come up and there are going to be some kind of general things that we talk about. Um, and I think because of the specific purpose of the group, that it is a therapy group and it is in these specific populations that works out pretty well. Like there is an expectation that these things are going to come up and everyone has consented to that, which I think is really important. Um, so no one's being triggered kind of out of the blue. Yeah, I, I talk about this a lot is the idea of that session zero where we outline our mm -hmm. go and no go topics and <clears throat> starting to create that ability for players to communicate their hard lines and thing, topics that they don't want to see at the table, um, the stuff that they do want to see that they are okay with and whatever safety measures you're going to use, whether you're using something like um, X cards or Luxta method or veils and lines and making it clear so that everybody understands that. And then um, I'm also a big advocate of checking back in. Because sometimes people will say one thing and then two weeks later they have changed their mind. And so making sure you check back in periodically with session zero is, I think, really important as well. Yeah, I really like the idea of the session zero. And uh, Megan, you've talked about that uh, earlier when uh, you were on a, a podcast with me talking about that. Um, and checking in with a group about, and I always think of it as like a third rail. Like what are, what are some topics that you really are not interested in appearing in this adventure or this campaign. And it could be uh, something like suicide. It could be something like, you know, um, you know, assault, things like that. Like what, are there any areas at the top uh, that the group does not want to really hear about? And maybe something comes up in the game that they didn't really think about, but you know, like you said, three weeks or three months later, it's like, Oh wow. Well, this sort of makes me uncomfortable and I don't like this. So given the players an opportunity from time to time to check in about that, uh, being willing to be receptive and um, kind of building that trust with players, I think is really important. Do you think it would make sense to talk a little bit about what, because um, Elizabeth brought the word trigger, and I know it's a common word that often gets used, but there's been a lot of sometimes misinformation or maybe, and sometimes it's also been overused. So maybe it makes sense to define it a little bit and talk about what it, it looks like or may, f how it may manifest. I guess I, I, I can talk. So when we're talking clinically about triggering events, it's talking about something that causes you to have a memory or relate to an experience from your past that has been unpleasant or traumatizing in some way. Um, so for example, it can be 
you know, we'd think typically of triggering events as being something very violent or visceral, um, assault, maybe a gruesome murder, harm to children. Um, but it also can be other things such, uh, as, um, being, um, restrained and being unable to act in a situation or seeing something happen and not being able to take that action. And so working with your players and understanding what might be things that they need to tackle and not always in a way of we're going to avoid it, but maybe learn more adaptive methods to work through something. But that's more something that you need the training of a psychologist or therapist to be able to do. Um, but just kind of learning those different topics. Uh, and, it, and it's interesting. The stuff that comes up that you don't think would be tr- like, it, anything can come up in a D&D game. Um, uh, I'll disclose a little bit of my own history really quickly. Uh, so I have two beautiful daughters that I gave birth to, and they both almost killed me. And uh, we had an incident happen in the game where we were helping a woman give birth, and she almost died. And it was this really weird incident where I'm sitting there like, oh, hey, we're at the moment where I almost died in my real life. And that came up and being able to pause for a moment and talk about that in the game in a safe space. But having that trust between the dungeon master and the players as well to talk about those things. Yeah, definitely. And I know, and sometimes when, I, just as, you know, a person having been like, you know, having gone through some stuff and then occasionally stuff comes up either in games or like just in discussions about gaming or something like that, that it's like, um, sometimes the response, and correct me if I'm wrong, like people have very many different responses. Some people just totally shut down. I tend to feel almost like I get the adrenaline rush thing going and it's hard for me to communicate necessarily in an eloquent fashion at the time. I just kind of want to be like, hey, let's stop for a minute. Let me catch my breath and then talk about it again <laughs> later. Is that fair? Like something like just so folks can see you, because a lot of people don't necessarily know what what's going on there and they might react and think that that person's just being negative or you know what I mean I think (laughs) yeah I I think to jump in this idea of being being triggered I I think that term is is thrown out quite a bit now especially with the political landscape and people almost use that as a as a negative thing like oh you're being triggered like uh like you should get over it but the idea is uh Megan was talking about is these being triggered is you know more or less your, your brain's really good at making connections so if if you've experienced or been exposed to some type of traumatic event, uh, your brain will make connections to that event through, you know, a variety of, you know, environmental factors or even just memories that you're having. So it could be a time of day. It could be a smell. It could be a song. It could be being stuck in traffic. It could be any number of things that remind you of an event that was life-threatening or uh, incredibly upsetting in some way. And when our brain feels threatened, our brain flips a switch and we have that fight or flight response, like you talked about, where heart starts racing, blood's pumping, you know, might start sweating, feel hot. And it's really hard to be a, a good problem solver or a communicator at that point in time. So being able to recognize that one is a skill, which is a great skill. And two, being able to have some tools to do something about that, um, taking a break, uh, taking some deep breaths, maybe, you know, if you're playing a game, stepping away for a moment. Um, so being able to identify, oh, this was a trigger for me. And maybe you expected it to be a trigger, but sometimes triggers are unexpected. They they come up during a game like 
the example of uh, you know a pregnancy happening in the game. It's probably not something you thought about ahead of time, but when it was happening, it's like, oh yeah, this is affecting me. And I'm sure you know for me to disclose a bit, if there was something in the game about suicide or helping someone who was uh, incredibly depressed or lonely or uh, you know really felt um, distraught, you know my my brother ended his life by suicide a couple of years ago. That's probably not something I really want to get into during a gaming session. And it probably wouldn't come up, and I probably wouldn't think to tell a DM, like, hey, yeah, I don't really want to talk about this. And as as a game plays out, maybe that comes up, and probably after a session I would maybe say something about it, uh, not in a negative way, but to say, like, hey, in the future, could we maybe avoid that that subject? Um, and I'm just using it as an example of sometimes these are unexpected. You know, we can't anticipate everything that might, quote-unquote, trigger, trigger us. And Megan, you brought up another... Um interesting thing that I often see have come up in conversation and that's the uh some folks feel like it is their duty to take it upon themselves to make it so somebody doesn't avoid a sensitive topic that they're particularly sensitive to um and you did bring up like there's it feels like there's a lot of training that's involved it's not like somebody just can say hey I know you're really sensitive about this and you're avoiding it so I'm going to throw you into it right yeah, don't do that if you're not trained. <laughs> and also, yeah. like, oh, I'll say this for the games I run too. Like, we do sometimes tackle topics that are difficult, but I will talk about it with a player beforehand and make sure I have their consent. They know what's going to happen. They know they're very familiar with the safety tools if it gets to be too much, and we work through it. You know, so it's I, I think sometimes for dungeon masters, it's gonna be this feel of like, oh, I don't want to spoil it, but it, you don't have to give away all the details, but to say like. Uh, in my uh, therapy group, they had to confront somebody who was essentially a bully and was going to be sort of a recurring bully that they would have to deal with on the periphery and talking to the girls individually who had been struggling with bullying and asking them about, look, you know, I want this to be a good experience for you where you can band together with friends that you trust and understand, you know, what to look for and how to have that support and what that's like. But if it gets to be too much, let me know, and then de-process, you know, processing with them afterwards as well. But it's something that if you do it, like, you got to tread with so much caution because you don't know what you're stepping into, especially if you don't have the training. So. And I think in addition to that, something that's really important is keeping the purpose of the game in mind as well as that consent of your players. So all of us run groups that are therapeutic game groups. Um, but if you're running a group for fun with your friends, chances are your goal of that group is to have fun together and maybe grow as a, as a group of friends. But your goal is not to provide therapy for one or more of those players. And so kind of keeping that in mind, maybe not stepping on those sensitive topics. And if you choose to, making sure that everybody at the table, not just the person who may be triggered, knows. Um, because somebody else may may not want their Saturday evening to turn into a therapy session for somebody at the table. Oh, that's an awesome point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's not, and I've been careful when I've, when I've talked about mental health and gaming topics and trying to increase people's awareness of some of these issues that I, my goal is not to turn everyone, every DM and every player into mini therapists or, you know, pop psychologists. It's, you know, the goal is not to start doing an exposure therapy session with with your players, um, but to just to have some awareness, have some respect about these things, and to be kind of mindful 
of some of the, I think, tropes that are pretty common in D&D role-playing games. Like I said, fantasy fiction. And I was writing a list of just different, uh, you know, films and franchises that I've been, you know, really a fan of and been meaningful to me. And like Harry Potter, his parents are killed, you know, when he's an infant. Luke Skywalker sees his aunt and uncle burning to death. Um, and anytime I see Star Wars, it still is jarring to me that they actually show that. They show the corpses, you know, burning. Um, you know, comic books, Superman's whole entire, I think, planet explodes. Batman, his parents are killed in front of him. Like all these tropes that are just used of like, here's the origin story. Something terrible happened. And that is going to set events in motion. Um, and I think a lot of plot hooks are kind of designed that way. Someone's been kidnapped. Someone's been murdered. Someone, Something has gone terribly wrong. We need the adventurers to come in and solve the problem. And what I would encourage folks to do is just, just be aware that that is going on. And maybe to challenge yourself to think of some other less gruesome ways to kickstart an adventure to kickstart a session. And again, I'm wondering how other, you guys are all DMing groups and I imagine for fun and for kind of more therapeutic value, how do you approach that? I'll say for me, what I've started doing is I use the um, uh, the rumor system that Adam and Adam from game to grow have come up with. I've used that uh, oh, either in the last two or three groups that I've done. And it's been so phenomenal at, one, getting all the players invested in the story. Um, two, getting their input and finding out what they're going to want to play with. And three, getting ideas that I never would have come up with. Because we, like in the game we're playing through now, they came up with a story of a young prince kidnapped a Pegasus, which turned him into Darth Vader, and now he's hunting people. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Oh, and there's a cotton candy forest with a tree that will cure him. <laughs> That's really good. Nice. I do a lot of hooks in my games um, that are designed to get players moving towards something instead of away. Um, And sometimes there's negative things that start in that. But a lot of times it's there's this cool adventure or somebody else has somebody else is missing something or they need something and they've asked you to go with them. Um, And I found that a lot of our groups are really excited to jump into play and they don't really need a whole lot to get them going. Uh, So it doesn't have to be something gruesome or terrible to kind of get that started. They can just be, Hey, I want to go find this magic stone that maybe is helpful. Probably who knows? Yeah. I recently wrote an article about, because I've been playing red dead redemption two, which is a lot of fun. And there's a lot of missions in that game that really don't go anywhere from an overall story uh, like main mission component. They're just, they just kind of exist to flesh out the world. It's helping people with random errands and it's, it goes beyond fetch quest, but it's, it got me thinking of how could I do this for D and D games? And I came up, wrote an article, came up with like 20 different um, options for these kind of quote unquote random encounters that are just there to be interesting. And <laughs> it's not really these earth shattering events of these, you know, different forces that are shaping the world but it's just like hey there are these two kids that want to get to the next town do you want to help them and i imagine players would just be very suspicious of these kids like well what's their agenda what do they really want and you can kind of play with that at the table and see where it goes um but like doing more stuff like that 
in in games. I think for me, it's kind of an interest I have right now of maybe veering somewhat away from these big, huge events and campaign books, and then just kind of coming up with a series of events and seeing what players do with them um, that allow them to inhabit their characters and kind of, like you said, grow as a group and um, you know just have have some fun. Awesome. And then I know we've talked about a consent a few times. Would it make sense to talk about the importance of consent in in gaming and particularly for these topics? Yeah, I think it absolutely makes sense to talk about consent. Is there any specific question that you had around consent or just consent in general? So I guess maybe one of the first things is um, why is it important to get people's consent um, in in terms of these topics or even just in general with gaming? Like, because you had talked about too about you set up in that session zero, you kind of set up the base rules, which is, or, you know, the social contract of the game essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and why uh, sometimes people don't understand the importance of, of getting people to agree on that, or they feel like people, they assume that everyone should already know what we're all going to agree to. Um, so mm-hmm. if we just talk about that part, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think consent at a really basic level is super important. Um, like you said, as part of that social contract, uh, basically, if you want to have friends and you want to keep playing with them, You have to interact with them in a way where they're going to feel safe and accepted. And so um, that consent process can kind of lay out on the table what everybody is okay with and what they're not. And respecting that kind of helps that game move forward and those friendships move forward. I think also on another just basic level, it's ensuring that everybody's playing the right game. Mm -hmm. If you're coming to play Eberron and they're wanting to play Sword Coast, that's a different game. And so that we all have the same expectation walking in is very, very helpful. One of the things I've, I've liked to do, and I'm actually getting ready to do this with, with my group after they're about to finish the Sunless Citadel. So it's kind of they're finishing one adventure and we're going to go in a different direction. And one of the things I want to check in with them again is what type of game do you want to be playing? You know, do you want an urban adventure? Do you want to be out in the wilderness? Do you want a dungeon delve? Do you want a lot of combat? Do you want more of like political intrigue role playing and I, I want to get a sense from them about where their interests lie. Um, so having just call that consent, but just I think it's a good thing to just gauge the interest of your players, kind of know what game they're looking for. Um, you know, if you're really into tactics and minis and combat encounters and you have a group of players who like want to ham it up and you know do a lot of like role playing, like you can combine those two things, but it's it's going to take a little bit of work if you're just throwing combat at them left and right. Um, and the other thing with consent is more of the social contract of I would I would check with your players about what are some of the things that are really irksome in games for them. And maybe it's just something you send out like an email ahead of time of like, hey, what are some of the things you've been you guys been gaming for a while? Um, what are some of the things that have bothered you in the past? So. I know for me and some of the players that I've interacted with over the past, you know, several years, people who jump in and try to take other people's turns or like tell them what to do, like, oh, you should do this, you should use these powers. Like they kind of take away that player's agency. I I think that's a hot button topic for people and being able to lay that groundwork at the beginning of like, hey, this is here are some things we're not going to do. We're not going to like when someone rolls dice, somebody else at the table is like, oh, they got an eight. That's just taking away someone else's uh, enjoyment from the game. So things like that, that I think some folks take 
maybe don't even think about, um, but just gauging the, the, the group of what are some of those social faux pas that they maybe are, are not too much of a fan of and make sure that you, I wouldn't say police that, but kind of make the group aware of here's how we're going to play this game. Is everyone on board with that? And you can set some ground rules that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I just know um, I've now been playing and blogging for like almost a decade. And just I've watched a lot of conversations take place. And it, I know different people come from different uh, I don't, culture doesn't seem like quite the right word, but sometimes they feel are overly, it's like an overly conformist area where they think everyone thinks the same way. So the idea that people might have different opinions on this just doesn't seem to occur to them. So that's why I just thought it might be good to, to be explicit about it rather than um, just assume everyone knows like why, why it's important to talk about consent and what you're trying to get out of the game and that people do in fact play even D and D different ways and not always, there's no like guarantee that people are going to be super into killing orcs just because they're playing D and D D 20 games. You mean there's not a right way to play D and D? I'm shocked. Community said <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, um, and just one thing I want to add with all of like the idea of consent and everything too is to talk about the role of the dungeon master, like you're allowed to say no too. Like yeah. if you sit down at the table and everybody wants to be a bunch of murder hobos and that's not the kind of game you want to run, it's okay to go, I don't think I'm the right person to run this game. Or everybody's wanting to do a lot of political intrigue, Game of Thrones type stuff and go, I don't have the mental space for that. Mm-hmm. Like we we can do a little bit, but I, if you guys were wanting, you know, the tier 10 difficulty of political intrigue, that's not going to be my style. And so it's, again, making sure we're all on the same page and that the expectations on what's expected of the players is clear and the expectations of what is expected from the dungeon master is clear. Yeah. For me, it's, it's lore. So if, if, if I had a group of players who want someone running the game, who has a steep knowledge of the forgotten realms and knows all the geography and the history and has read the books and just wants that as part of the game, I'm, happy to help you look for somebody else but that's that's you know not me and that's okay and i i would just you know defer to someone else who is uh more more skilled in that area Um, but it would be good to ask players ahead of time if that's what they're looking for it would be a shame for everyone involved to find that out about four sessions in as the players are getting frustrated of like wait this city isn't where you're saying it is it's actually just a three-day travel instead of a three-week and it like Maybe that never happens, but I could see some groups being a little, uh, you know, irritated by that. So just kind of laying the groundwork um, again. And, you know, it's it's hard for me to separate consent from the clinical work I do. And when I think of that, it's, you know, when I first meet with a patient, it's giving them expectations. Like, here's what to expect, you know. So for a, a counseling appointment, It's like limits of confidentiality. Like this is private, except in these situations. Do you consent to this? That if you tell me X, Y, and Z, I'm going to have to get other people outside of this room involved to, you know, protect your safety and the safety of others. Like some kind of groundwork things that you have to set. Again, because if you didn't inform the patient about that early on and they tell you something that makes you have to get other people involved, then it it could be complicated. 
Uh, so getting their agreement up front just sort of establishes the groundworks of this relationship with a patient. And certainly it's different between a DM and, and players because there is no duty to <laughs> take care of those individuals, like we mentioned before. Uh, but it does help everyone get on the same page and I think helps get the group off on the right foot if everyone just comes aboard and says, like, yeah, this is the type of thing we want to do. And here are some things we don't want to do. And we all agree on this. Great. Awesome. Let's start rolling some die or meeting some people and solving problems. And I think a lot of people um, have either seen others or been in themselves in a position where – you know, they might have a completely different, what they might have one reaction to some something where they feel like they haven't consented to it and they're being forced to do something versus when they've said, hey, you know, I did think about it and um, we agreed to this and yeah, it's, uh, you know, things have changed and maybe it's not going the way I want it to, but that sometimes they do have a different reaction. Is that fair to say? Or they can, not always, obviously. <laughs> I think there are plenty of times where someone says, yeah, I've thought about this. I think it's going to be okay. And then they get in over their head. Um, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. There's, uh, there, well, one acknowledging that that can also happen, but just mm -hmm. um, like, and the one I can think of happened to be, I had a teacher in high school who was clear, absolutely hated his job. But when he actually hit the retirement age, he didn't retire um, because he no longer had to keep going to work. He wanted he chose to be there I don't know if that makes sense in the same way but mm -hmm. before that he felt like he had to keep going because you know if he quit now he wouldn't get his retirement yeah and then once he got to the point where there that was no longer like a pressure point for him he had a different viewpoint so like I feel like sometimes if um you know if we talk up front about like this is going to be something that includes like a murder in it or something like that um somebody who might be sensitive to that if you tell them up front and they agree to be part of it, they might still have the reaction, uh, an adverse reaction to it, but mm -hmm. it still takes some of the pressure off in terms of if you just surprise them with it. I think that's a really great example of like how, how much agency matters in what we decide to do. Right. So if I've decided that I want to do a campaign, even though murder freaks me out, uh, then I've decided that, right? Versus my friend or my DM saying, hey, I think this is going to be a hard topic for you. So like, buckle up, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And I know I've been leading a lot of the questions, but I also know that I am out of my depth in terms of knowledge in this area. Is there any topics that you guys wanted to bring up and talk about um, as part of this? I think maybe something helpful for uh, the lay dungeon master would be like, if you inadvertently stumble into something, what to do? If so, you best of intentions, head session zero, and you still say something or something happens in the game that really upsets one of your players, like how to handle that. Yeah, I think one thing that can be helpful is, um, I think it's just a skill in general, is being able and willing to receive feedback about how the game is going. I think it's quite easy to get defensive if someone says, hey, this there's like too much combat or like, hey, I didn't really like that topic. And could we steer away from that? I, I could see some people just like being a little defensive about that. Um, and if you set again, set the groundwork early and let your players know I'm open to feedback. If there is something in the game that's working well, great, let me know. If there's something in the game that isn't working that great, please let me know. 
and being willing to open that door because some some players might not be accustomed to giving that feedback, might not feel comfortable. It's it's challenging to give someone constructive feedback or to say, hey, this made me feel uncomfortable. Um, so by setting that norm uh, for the group, I think is important. And that takes some some confidence that that takes some skill and being able to be open to feedback. And I think modeling that. So even, um, you know, not doing it more than once. So like you have a session zero and you let people know, like, yes, please let me know if anything is uh, not, you know, working out in this game. Um, but also checking in from time to time, whether that's, you know, between sessions through through an email or uh, bef- like after a session closes down, checking in with people if there is anything that they wanted to talk about. Um, you know, what I've been doing recently is I'll summarize the game, the, the session, right after it happens, because the longer I go away from that, it just is gone from my mind. So I write a recap immediately of sort of the important events that happened, funny things I'll try to incorporate in there too, and including some of the off-color quotes that come from my players about different events. Try to hit some highlights, but then, you know, within a half hour or so after that that game session is out um, and over, like I send that email and the players have that as a anchor that if they want to give me some feedback, one of the things I put in that email is like, hey, if you have any questions or concerns, let me know. Um, and that's just a consistent thing I do each game that hopefully allows players, at least gives them an option of, it's easy for them to hit reply and send me a few sentences. It's like, hey, X, Y, and Z, or whatever. Um, so I think just being aware that that might be something you have to work at. It doesn't just happen uh, to get that type of, of feedback if you, quote unquote, stepped in something. Um, I don't know. What do the rest of you think about how to handle this? I Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's also important to remember, like, it's okay to take breaks. So if you're in the middle of something and it looks like things are getting really hard and either you as the DM are starting to feel like you're not okay or some of your players aren't, it's okay to say, like, hey, let's walk away from this for five minutes and come back. Um, And in those moments, it's also important to, like, to remember kind of where your training is. And so like, if you have a player who's not, who you think is not okay, um, checking in as a friend and not a therapist, if you don't have that training is really important. And if they say like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. You need to kind of respect that boundary. Maybe it's something you want to talk about that check in with them before the next game. Um, but just kind of respecting their own agency in that as well. Yeah. And I I think just to add on to what you were saying, Elizabeth is like that, it's okay if somebody's not okay and let them communicate their needs to you. You know, if like something's come up and you just need to cry or you need a few few minutes just to go cool down or whatever and giving your friend space and understanding it's not your job to fix it. Uh, and just to, it's so important for people when they're having, we have this fear that like if there's something wrong with us, like we're crying or we're super upset, all of our friends are just going to leave us, Right. And a lot of times it's just our friends don't know what to do. And I know like there's just a lot of power with somebody just sitting with you while you feel bad, not trying to fix it, not trying to make it go away, just maybe handing you a Kleenex every now and then. And just being okay with you not being okay is is super powerful. Any other topics we should talk about? I guess I'd be curious if anyone's, I know Megan, you mentioned one of the situations that was you know, kind of surprising in some ways in terms of being triggered by something that happened in a game. 
I wonder either maybe as a DM running something or even as a player experiencing something, like what are some of the situations you've run into um, where this something like this has happened? I think for one of the best examples I can talk about was um, it, this bullying example. And so one of the girls, um, it was, we had, we were using X cards at the time and um, she, uh, she was definitely getting very upset. It was a very cool event that we did um, therapeutically. It was myself and another therapist were working together and the other therapist was acting as one of the NPCs and the girls were working to try and help somebody get out of an emotionally abusive relationship, which is very hard, hard topic. And so we had a lot of safety measures and there was a lot of stuff going in. And one of the players, it was getting very close to a line and she had, told me afterwards she thought about touching the X card a few times but didn't Um, but we processed it for a good 30 or 45 minutes but she noted too how after it was helpful to like she said the thing that was difficult for her wasn't the topic necessarily it was her realizing that a few of her friendships were actually incredibly toxic and recognizing the manipulation that was being described as happening to this NPC is things she was encountering in her own life. And she hadn't expected that to come up. And so it was a very powerful moment. And so I think it's, that's definitely not something to do in a game. That's out, not a therapeutic game being run by therapists. Like it was a very powerful thing for her. And um, ultimately was, I think a good experience, but it was, that was definitely an example of where something like that came up. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think the thing that came up uh, in one of our groups that was the kind of really impacted the group a lot was actually something that happened outside of the game that then came in. Um, We had a group member that passed away during uh, the course of one of our groups. And um, that was something that we actually spent a little bit of time processing and then kind of playing through. And it was something that, that, that obviously was not something that anyone consented to or had kind of that prior knowledge. And so it was something where everybody shows up and this is where we're starting. Um, and that was actually a really powerful experience. The group members chose to kind of play that day. They wanted to play through. And then we spent the processing time at the end of that group talking about what it was like to not have that character there, uh, which was a really nice way for the players to be able to talk about their grief and losing their friend in a way that was slightly removed um, and a little bit more helpful for them to be able to kind of process through what happened. So we talked about like, what is it like to not have your mage and how did the gameplay change and, and what are your characters feeling right now that this just could like, this just happened. Everything disappeared. So that was pretty powerful and unexpected. One thing I was interested in learning a little bit more about, too, is um, earlier, I think it was you, Elizabeth, who had said about the um, move, but maybe it was Megan, uh, moving from the, like, going away from something to going towards something, um, and maybe talking a little bit about more about that in terms of, because, like, that's something the two that a GM might be able to use as part of an adventure design or something like that. Does that sound fair? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was me. So it was something that just kind of happened. And then I noticed it afterwards. Um, and it started 
when I was running groups for girls who'd experienced trauma. And a big part of that, uh, was I wanted the games to start off pretty light and fluffy. Um, not realizing that 13 year old girls who had experienced trauma just wanted to murder goblins. Um, <laughs> it's really what they wanted. All of them were fighters. That's we, it was a lot of goblins murdered. Um, but starting off that poor game, goblins, I know, right. It was a bummer. They also want uh, to steal everything. <laughs> they, you know, this group, like my groups, they didn't broadly, they didn't steal things. They just wanted to murder things. And if they could murder things that had hurt, other beings that was like really good um but with that group I wanted them to kind of be in a place where the gameplay started kind of pretty positive right so we're not starting out with revenge a lot of these girls had enough negativity enough kind of doubt and disgust in their life and so we started most of them off as like um okay so we're looking for uh, a magical stone that is supposed to be able to like trap wishes in it. And so if you cut, if you find the stone, you're able to release those wishes out into the world. Um, and a couple other things, and they could, they could be little things like you were talking about earlier, Michael, like, Hey, somebody just needs help, you know, finding their lost dog or somebody needs help getting from here to the next town or somebody needs help, um, you know, figuring out what happened, why their house is blue now. So there's generally a problem there to be solved still. Uh, it just started a little bit more positive. Um, and that, like I said, obviously led to lots of goblin killing. So it doesn't mean that your whole game is just this like light and fluffy rainbow adventure. But I think we, as people, sometimes you want a game where you're moving towards something instead of away, especially when um, the like your players have been dealing with a lot of either mental health issues or trauma in their life, then sometimes it can feel to move towards something instead of a way, uh, especially if you're dealing with mental health issues, a lot of your life is avoiding, avoiding triggers, avoiding um, negative emotions and feelings. And so being able to move towards things instead of a way, I think is something that can be pretty powerful. Yeah. And that might even be an interesting way to, you know, if you ask players about their backstory like what is this player looking for? What what are they moving towards? Like what are they what do they want to find? What do they want to do? Um, which sometimes you get that, but to ask for it like explicitly might be a good way to, you know, get things rolling in that direction. Yeah. So Jared and I both use something that we took from Adam and Adam at Game to Grow, um, which are some like check in and check out questions. So most of our groups have a longer processing piece as well, but we generally will ask questions to kind of get the ball rolling about people's characters. So um, one that we stole directly from the Adams is like, what's the weirdest food you and your character have ever eaten? But we'll also ask things like, what did your character learn this week, or what's something you wish you could tell your character? Uh, players often use that as like a really nice, hey, this is the advice that I'm giving my character, but I'm also giving myself at the same time. Uh, and so those things can be really cool. And they're a nice way to learn, to force players to think about their character, but also learn more about your players and your characters in small chunks. That's great. Shout out to the Adams. Yeah, is that something that they have like online or something? They have their rumor system online through Drive-Thru RPG. It's a pay-what-you-want. Okay. Um, and I don't know if they have their check... On their Twitter, they post a lot of their check-in questions, too. 
they also have a couple of um, presentations they've given at like PAX that are all on yeah. YouTube. Uh, like Don't Punch the GM is a is a big one where they talk about a lot of the things that they use in sessions. And I had them. I interviewed both of them on my podcast, Ego Check, uh, about a year or so ago. It was a little while ago, but I think I'm going to have them back on the show fairly soon, which I'm excited about. So uh, stay tuned for that. Awesome. Uh, any? I know we're getting to like the 50 minute mark almost. So is there anything else people want to talk about or do we want to end it here? You know, I'd, I'd be curious as people listen to this, you know, one of the things that I've, I've tried to do with uh, the small forums that social media present is just to talk about these topics a little bit more openly. Um, I was one of the reasons I was, you know, really uh, appreciative of Greg and Shelly from Dragon Talk is to, you know, give light give a bigger forum to some of these topics of um, just mental health issues i mean they come up in everyday life all the time they're certainly going to come up during uh, a role-playing game se- uh, session potentially um, so being willing to talk about these things and you know getting feedback i think this conversation is great uh, it's excellent that we have now this niche or this group of mental health providers who are um, trained and are very much a part of this hobby who are being advocates and doing excellent work and being vocal and trying to set an example um, that's great uh, I think that's awesome and what I you know like is for this to be this not just a conversation that you know people listen to and then it's like oh okay and then they go on about their life and go to the next piece of content um, but to join into this conversation, both with your players or, you know, certainly with with us, I think I think we're all, you know, pretty readily available through through the social medias um, to just to continue this, to um, try to be taking care of each other, creating good game environments. And I think hopefully that this influences the people who are designing and, and building these games to think about. What type of art are they using? What type of stories are they including in their games? What, how are they um, designing these games with some of these ideas in mind? Um, which you know, that's maybe a unrealistic thought, but I I hope that some of these conversations go in that direction. Yeah, I think the idea of um, kind of opening up the conversation and talking about this stuff is is really really important, and I think a really important part of that conversation like we talked about earlier is respecting people's agency and some of what that means is if somebody doesn't want to talk about why they don't want a topic in a game respecting that is really important yeah it's okay to say no from a player or a dm definitely no is a complete sentence (laughs) (laughs) and also just in case um like the people listening are afraid well i don't have this background i don't have this training like how can i participate in the conversation i just wanted to point out um i did help out in terms of a few years ago uh i did at least one i maybe more um at pax east a few of us talked about our um dealing with depression and stuff like that and and talking about it in front of a room full of people which isn't always easy (laughs) but it you know and i have absolutely no training um you know and just be conscious that i can only talk about my own experiences i think that helps people like feel free to talk about your stuff and, and, and things like that, but it's better to talk about it than to keep it hidden just because the number of people, even in that day that we touched in terms of they thought they were alone and being alone is probably like one of the worst feelings in the world. Uh, so yeah. 
thank you for for doing that. That takes a lot of courage. Thanks. Yeah, it was it was a little scary. Um, and then the other thing I did that like the also in the terms of like going towards something. I um, around the time that Gamergate was happening, I had some people who are training in cross cultural communication get, also get together. Like then the psychology of that get together and talk about like how we are breaking each like turning into these groups and, and fighting instead of cooperating and it was like turn and enable co-op mode was the name of the <laughs> talk and then, so we had worked on trying to do that but both of them are pretty important um because you know the stuff that that toxicity that was happening drove me away for a few from a few years in terms of engaging and stuff too so that was kind of bad that's awesome that you're a part of those things yeah that's yeah, really cool and we can always use more people <laughs> If you're if you're up for it and want to, um, cool. So, do we want to talk? Each of you say where people can find you online and where they can get more information, so that we can continue this conversation. Uh, Elizabeth, do you want to go first? Yeah. So I'm broadly not on the social medias, which I realize is a problem, and I need to change. Um, so I don't have anywhere people can find me. <laughs> In spirit, in spirit. In spirit. People can find me in spirit. Okay. <laughs> uh, Megan? I'm on Twitter a lot at Megan Seide. I'm also a Geeks Like Us YouTube channel and streaming on Twitch under Geeks Like Us. And, and I could go. So I, I've been writing about uh, these types of topics for a while and also um, uh, some examples of some other silly topics I've written about, just like that Red Dead Redemption thing I mentioned. I took a, a band that I really like, Dead Sarah, which is an awesome band. You should listen to them. But I took 20 of their song titles and turned them into adventure hooks because that was something I wanted to do and it was fun. Uh, so I post stuff like that in terms, in addition to mental health and gaming. That's at the idm.wordpress.com, at T H E I D D M. And that's the same place you can find me on Twitter, at the idm. Uh, also have an interview podcast that I do with other members of the gaming community. Uh, it's on iTunes, Podbean, it's Ego Check with the DM, and uh, it's been really fun getting to meet uh, different people and going into depth with them about how they got into gaming, what type of work they're doing, and other topics that come up. And uh, Dr. Cannell was a guest for, uh, on that uh, about a year ago, so uh, we had a fun conversation about Session Zero and about some other topics and the work she's doing, so uh, feel free to, to look us up on there. Awesome. And Jared, did you want to... I think he was feeling really bad and so had to get off. Okay, sorry. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. No problem. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. And I think it was a great conversation. Yeah, thank thanks you for, for having the time. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks. And that was episode number 317, where we talked about respecting player agency, triggering factors in the game, and consent at the gaming table on this episode of...
ますわ。